Welcome to People's Church Online. I want to just welcome all of our People's Church family, and I want to welcome all of our first-time guests. I'm so glad that you're here, and I want to welcome all of you back for the second or third time. Thanks for coming back and worshiping with us again. Today, our speaker needs no introduction. International speaker, evangelist, pastor, Robert Madu has a word for your life. Open your heart up and God is going to speak to you today. Good morning, People's Church family. I'm coming to you live from Dallas, Texas in an empty sanctuary. Um, obviously, we are living in unprecedented times. I never in a million years would have ever thought that I couldn't be there with you in person in Oklahoma. Uh, but thank God for the gift of technology and for my dear brother, Pastor Herbert Cooper, who said, Robert, just come to us online. So here I am, and you know how I do, act just like I was there. Would you give God some praise on this Sunday morning? Come on, that you're still here, that you're still standing. And I'm believing that this word is going to encourage you. It's going to give you hope. It's going to give you peace. It's really going to speak to you right where you are. So I don't want to waste any time, People's Church fam. I want to jump straight into the word of God to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, I want to look at verses 1 through 12. Psalm 91, it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. We'll stop right there. Such a powerful psalm that so many people are reading in this season. But I want to focus in again on that first verse. It says, whoever dwells in the shelter. Another version says secret place, but this version NIV says the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty, the shelter. I want to preach to you today using this as a title, shelter in place shelter in place. Do me a favor, look at somebody that you might be sick of looking at by now <laughs> and just tell them, I got a shelter in place. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your presence that knows no limits and knows no bounds. Father, I thank you that yes, the church may have left the physical building, but the church is still the church. Father, I thank you that your gospel cannot be canceled. Speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen. Shelter in place.
place. Recently, the legendary singer and songwriter Bill Withers passed away at the age of 81. Bill Withers was nothing short of an absolute musical genius. Now, I realize when I say that immediately right now, some young people are watching. They're going, who in the world is Bill Withers? I know about Justin Bieber, Lil Boosie, and Beyonce. I don't know nothing about Bill Withers. Well, let me just say to you, you might not know his name, but you definitely know his songs. The three-time Grammy Award winner and Hall of Fame inductee had the ability to not only write songs that spoke to your soul, but they were instant, timeless classics. So timeless that some of Bill's lyrics you can actually apply right now to your current quarantine life. Oh yes, if, if you're quarantined right now and it's just you and your spouse, you and your boo, come on, Bill would have you singing, just the two of us. We can make it if we try, just the two of us, you and I. If you uh, have the propensity to be a pessimist in the midst of a pandemic, come on, Bill, we'll have you looking out your window with your face down talking about, ain't no sunshine when she's gone, Don't only dark clouds every day yeah, yeah, yeah. if you are one of those people that you look for opportunities to be optimistic like my wife you're waking up every morning and no quarantine no shelter in place order is gonna stop you from singing Bill's lyrics it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a lovely day lovely day lovely day lovely day and then last but certainly not least Perhaps one of the most powerful images that I saw this week was a video of doctors, nurses, and medical professionals who in an attempt to not only pay homage to Bill Withers, but also to offer hope to victims who were hurting. They began to gather in hospitals and sing his timeless classic, Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on, lean on me for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on you do know that all it takes is trouble in your life to reveal what you're really leaning on oh yes Bill Withers was right we all need somebody to lean on but the reality of life is that all of us are leaning on something and it is not until what you are leaning on is shaken to the core that you begin to find out how firm your foundation really is. Oh yes, it is not until you have been hit with something you cannot handle and you are facing a circumstance that is beyond your competency or your control that you begin to understand where your confidence is, where you've really put your trust in. See, it's easy to trust God when everything in your life is going good. Oh yes, it is easy to trust God when your plans and God's plans are congruent. It is easy 
easy to trust God when you got money in the bank, your marriage is good, the kids are making straight A's, but that's not the time you need to find out where your trust is. How many of you know it's easy to sing, tis so sweet, to trust in Jesus when everything is going good, but the power is not in the song you sing in seasons of certainty. I want to know what do you sing when you're uncertain? What do you sing when you don't know how the situation is going to turn out? What do you sing? What hymn do you pull out when you don't know how the story is going to end? What do you sing when you're uncertain? See, this is why I love the book of Psalms, the, the book of Psalms, because the book of Psalms gives, gives me hope because it lets me know that I can still sing when I'm uncertain, that God is big enough to handle the roller coaster of my emotions, that God is not tripping when sometimes I'm worried and then the next moment I'm worshiping. How one moment I'm in my feelings and the next moment I'm in my faith. God is big enough to handle the fact that I can be going through hell but still have a faint hallelujah down in my soul. He can handle the vicissitudes of my emotions and the roller coaster of me one moment being in my pain and the other moment giving him praise. That's why I love the book of Psalms because it shows me that I can still sing even when I'm uncertain. The Psalms are powerful. You know why? Because they're relatable. They're relatable. We can feel what the psalmist is saying in all of the psalms. We feel like the psalmist know the power of our God, but they saw the same news report that we saw. We understand that they can feel us in the psalms because the psalms are the incredible harmony of theology and humanity colliding together. It's power in the psalms. And today I've chosen Psalm 91, a very popular psalm. Uh, many people don't know who the author of Psalm 91 was. Some scholars and theologians ascribe Psalm 91 to David. Uh, other scholars and theologians follow the Hebrew and Jewish tradition that when you don't know who wrote the psalm, the author of the preceding psalm wrote it. And so since Moses wrote Psalm 90, many people think Moses wrote Psalm 91, but I don't care if it was Moses, David, or Bill Withers, Psalm 91 is powerful. It's in that category of psalms like Psalm 23. It, it gives you comfort when you read it, like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Psalms 91 is in that elite category of psalms that the moment you read it, your soul is comforted. When I was growing up in church, you know, I grew up in church. I'll never forget the way I memorized Psalm 911 was they told me that when you have an emergency in the earth, you call 911. But when you have a problem that only God can fix, come on, that's when you call Psalm 911. One, one that says he who dwells in the secret place in the shelter of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty I will say of the Lord he is my refuge and my fortress how many of you know if there was ever a time for believers to start claiming the promise of Psalm 91 it is right now if there was ever a time for you to call 911 it is right now it couldn't be more potent and powerful than right now what about verse 5 when the text comes alive and it says in verse 5 that you will not fear the terror by night nor 
nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the disease that comes by noonday. How many know with coronavirus going around, this is the time for believers to start claiming the promise of Psalm 91? Oh, come on. I want you right in your living room. Would you just say that? Say, I claim the promise of Psalm 91. It's time for believers to claim that promise. Perhaps the thing that I've been thinking and pondering on in these times that we're in is the predicament of claiming a promise without remembering the context of the promise that you're claiming. You understand it's problematic when you start claiming a promise without remembering the context of the promise that you are claiming. For, for example, Psalm 23, we love to claim that promise in that psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Message version says, I lack nothing. We love to claim that promise, but we cannot forget the context of that promise. The context of the promises in Psalm 23 is that God is the shepherd. You and I are the sheep. The context of that promise is to understand the nature and the behavior of sheep. Because we are the sheep. And contrary to popular belief, sheep are not stupid. I know some preacher told you that. No, sheep are not stupid. Sheep are actually smart. They are intellectual. They are some of the most social beings that you will ever meet, whether it's in a herd or on Zoom. They're going to find a way to connect and get together. Sheep are not stupid. Their problem is not their incompetency. Their problem is their vulnerability and that they are prone to wander. So their vulnerability causes them to have to be in close proximity to the shepherd. They need somebody to guide them. So before I start claiming the promise that I lack no good thing, I have to understand that I am the sheep. God is my shepherd. And if God is my shepherd, then my shepherd is good. And if my shepherd is good, then my shepherd has to be my guide. And if he is my guide, that doesn't mean that he follows me where I go. That means I have to follow him wherever he may lead me wherever he may take me even when I don't understand it even if I have to follow him into the valley of the shadow of death and boy isn't that where we are in the world right now we are walking hear me through the valley of the shadow of death oh yes we're seeing death all around us but it's not just the death it's that we're in the valley of the shadow of death. It's, it's the shadow of death that's affecting us right now. How I many you know that's all social distancing is? It's, it's just the shadow of death. All of us have this, this fear, scared to go out. You don't even know how to greet people anymore. Do I give you a high five or do I back up? It's a, it's a shadow of death. You cough and you, you're concerned. You see somebody sneeze and you want to run the other way. You start checking your forehead. Talking about, do I have a fever or is it just because I'm looking at my bank account right now. It's a shadow of death. The shadow of death is scary to deal with. What do you do when you're swallowed up by the shadow of death watching TV and you've got a ticker on every channel showing you how many people are dying? It is a shadow of death that has come over the world and it is hard to find your peace 
in the shadow of death. What do you do when you're in the shadow of death? Can I tell you what I've learned and what I'm currently learning? The only way you can have peace in the shadow of death is to have a place in the shadow of the Almighty. You got to pick what shadow are you going to be under because if you're going to have peace in the shadow of death, you must find a place under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, I feel like preaching even though I'm in this sanctuary by myself. I want somebody online. You ought to just type, pick your shadow. Pick your shadow. Are you going to be consumed, consumed and swallowed by the shadow of death? Or are you going to say, I'm going to rest under the shadow of the Almighty? Shadows matter. In fact, just right where you are, in your living room, in your bathrobe or your PJs, I want you to just say, shadow. Shadow, shadow. If, if I could and we weren't practicing social distancing, I would have somebody come up on this stage because right now I've got a shadow being cast right on the stage. It's a good-looking shadow, too. A shadow is being cast. And what's interesting is you can only be in a shadow if you're close to the object. Yeah, a shadow will always show you what you're close to. Yeah, shadow, it, it reveals what you're close to. You can only be in somebody's shadow if you're close to them. That's why y'all not worry about people that hate on you and people that throw shade. They throw a shadow. You call them haters. They're not haters. They're just confused admirers that don't understand why everybody else likes you, but they don't. Come on, who checks somebody else's page just to write something nasty on it? They want to be close to you. That's why they're throwing shade. They, they want to be close because you can only be close to something to be in the shadow. A shadow will always show you what you are close to. And in this season, you have to really analyze, are you being consumed by the shadow of death? Are you under the shadow? of the Almighty because a shadow will show you what you're close to and here is the diabolical scheme of the enemy the enemy wants you consumed by the shadow of death he wants you haunted by the shadow of death can I show you how the enemy has you haunted by the shadow of death how he'll do it come on I want you to see this put, put the word shadow on the screen shadow 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 can I tell you what I see when I see shadow because I'm a preacher and because I am good at Scrabble? When I see shadow, I don't just see the word shadow. I also see show ad. Yeah, that's what I see, show ad. Am I the only one or have you ever had the enemy? Have you consumed by the shadow of death because he showed you an ad? He showed you an advertisement of death. Come on, am I the only one that has ever had the enemy come in your mind and show you an advertisement of death? You're going to lose everything. An advertisement of death. You may as well kill yourself now because their life is over. An advertisement of death. You're going to be on the street. He loves to show you an ad. That's his shadow. He loves to show you an ad, an advertisement of death. This is what the enemy does. I watch a lot of sermons on YouTube, and I know this is going to happen to somebody that's watching this sermon right now. Have you ever been watching a sermon on YouTube, and you're so engulfed in the sermon? I mean, one tear is coming down, and you are getting a word in the middle of the word that is ministering to you. 
here comes an ad talking about Allstate and life insurance and you were being blessed by the word of God and all of a sudden an ad showed up. That is how the enemy works. You can be under the shadow of the almighty and saying my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I don't trust in the Dow Jones. I don't trust in my job. My trust is in him but all of a sudden the enemy will show you an ad of you losing everything. He loves to show you an ad to cast the shadow. It's interesting, the enemy doesn't even get new tricks. This is what he's always done. He did it to Jesus. Remember when he tempted Jesus in the Gospel of Luke? All he was doing was showing them ads. He said, oh, come here. He just had little pop-ups. You remember in Luke when he tempted Jesus, he just kept popping up, just kept popping up. Jesus was fasting, had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And here comes the enemy with a pop-up saying, hey, turn these stones into bread, showing him an ad. How did he know to tell Jesus to turn the stones into bread after he had been fasting? He just popped up and said, turn the stones into bread. How did he know to offer that? Cookies. Yes, cookies. I'm not talking about the ones with chocolate chip and the ones that you keep going to your refrigerator for. No, 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 no. I'm talking about cookies in your computer. You know, cookies were originally with the enemy. Cookies in your computer that know your preferences, that know what you like. That's what the enemy does. He will show you the exact ad that you need. He did it to Jesus. He said, turn the stones into bread. But Jesus said, you don't understand who I am. I am the son of God. I am the word. He was the shadow. So every time the enemy had a pop-up, he just clicked that. No, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The enemy popped up again and tried to give him another ad. Hey, what about this? Why don't you go and look at all the kingdoms of the world? They are under my authority. I'll give it to you. Jesus is like, Psh delete. Come on. I shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. He kept throwing ads. You remember the third ad that the enemy showed in the gospel of Luke? In fact, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 4. This is the final temptation of the enemy trying to get Jesus to give in to the ad. I want you to see it in Luke chapter 4. It says that he took him to the height of the temple, the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Hold up. The enemy really has some cookies. <laughs> he says, you like scripture? Oh, I'll give you some scripture. Here's some scripture. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan quoted scripture to Jesus. Satan knew the word. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I first started preaching and I preached that text, I was shocked that Satan knew scripture. I said, oh, I cannot believe that Satan quoted the word of God. But now, I'm not shocked by that. That was, that was a rookie move. I'm not shocked that Satan knew scripture. Because first of all, I've seen some church people who, never mind, never mind. Anyway, but now I'm actually not shocked but intrigued with the actual scripture that Satan quoted to Jesus in the wilderness. Can you put that up there? Let's look at it again. Luke chapter 4. Seems like I've seen that scripture before for it is written 
He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Seems like I saw that scripture before. Oh, that's Psalm 91. That's what I'm intrigued with today. That of all the scriptures Satan could have quoted, why does he quote the scripture that I'm seeing so many people post and read right now. Why would the enemy quote Psalm 91 to Jesus out of 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses of scripture? Of all of those, why Psalm 91? Why tempt Jesus with Psalm 91? And not only tempt him, the temptation was coupled with the assassination of his identity. If you are the son of God. Church, hear me today. Could it be possible that there is a targeted attack from the enemy that is selective for children of God? That is cut to the continuity of being a child of God. Could it be possible there is a targeted attack from the enemy that comes from Psalm 91 when you claim that promise without understanding the context? Do you know what the enemy would love for you to do? The enemy would love for you to get to Psalm 91 and start claiming the promise of Psalm 91 and reading and said, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Oh, yes, okay. Yes, okay, it starts with trust. Okay, I trust you, Jesus. Okay, what happens when I trust? Oh, he's going to save me from the fowler's snare. That's a trap. No, I don't want to be trapped. He says, oh, he'll cover me from the deadly pestilences. Okay, I'll take that. He'll cover me with his feathers. God, I don't even know you had feathers, but I'll take it. What else do I have protection? Oh, yeah, y'all find refuge. You'll be my shield. Wait a minute, I don't have to fear the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day a thousand are going to fall at my side ten thousand at my right hand Whew, that means I won't have any danger come on I'll take that too I'll only observe with my eyes the punishment of the wicked Ooh, sign me up Lord and if I'm your you're my refuge and I make okay what else happens oh yeah you'll, you'll command the angels concerning to me I'll tread on the lions and cobras yes he says you'll oh th this is awesome I get all those promises just from trusting in you why I, sign me up because surely what this verse is saying is that if you trust in Jesus, you won't have any problems, right? Surely what this verse means that if I trust in him, I won't have to go through suffering, right? Wait, no. That can't be right because if that's right, then the opposite would be right that those who are suffering, don't have their trust in him? No, no, wait, 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 wait. No, maybe, maybe that's right. If I trust in him, I won't have any problems. I won't have to go through tr trouble. That, is that true? Or is that a trap from the enemy? The enemy, hear me today, would love you to believe that if you trust in Jesus, you won't have any problems. You won't have any struggles. In fact, that's what I call a trap. Can we look at the word trap? See, when I see the word trap, I don't just see trap. I see trap as trusting God 
removes all problems. That's what the enemy would love for your heart to believe and hear me. That's what our hearts want to believe, don't we? Especially in this Western comfortable world in which we live. We want to believe that if we just trust in him, we won't have problems. We won't go through suffering. We won't have challenges. And I wish that was true, but it is not. He never promised you. He never promised me that we won't have any trouble. As a matter of fact, he guaranteed us in John that we were going to have trouble but that we should take heart because he's already overcome the world. Hear me, if you buy into the trap of Psalm 91 out of context, that if you just trust in God, he'll remove all your problems. When the problem comes, not only are you going to be devastated, but that devastation is going to cause you to distance yourself from him and move away from him, but don't forget a shadow will show you what you're close to. And what God is saying is, yes, Psalms 91 is a promise to claim, but it is also a call to come close because he did not promise us that we won't have trouble, but he did promise us that he will be with us in the middle of the trouble. I wish that you wouldn't face trouble as long as your trust was in him. But how many know the Bible is full of examples of people who got themselves in some trouble, they had some suffering, but how many know Jesus was still with them in the midst of the trouble? Oh, are y'all recording this? I'm going to watch this message later while I'm in quarantine because I know it's going to bless me. I wish I had somebody in the sanctuary that could take the microphone and they would tell you about the suffering and the trouble. And in the middle of that suffering, Jesus met them in the middle of the trouble. The trouble was not removed, but he was a present help in that trouble. But since I don't have anybody in the sanctuary, how many of you know I could throw the microphone to Job and Job would take the microphone and Job would say, yeah, I had a virus hit in my life. I lost everything. I lost my business. I lost the cars. I lost children. I lost everything. And my friends told me that because I was losing things, because I was suffering, that my trust and hope was not in God and they wanted me to curse him. But I refused to curse him. I said, that even though he slays me, I'm still going to trust him. And God restored me. I wish I could throw the mic to Joseph. And Joseph would tell you how his own brothers betrayed him and threw him in a pit and left him for dead. And he was sold into slavery. How Potiphar's wife lied on him. And he was in prison for a long time. Long enough for them to do a Netflix documentary on it. But he didn't curse God in prison. He kept on trusting him and God raised him up and even when he met his brothers who betrayed him because he didn't get bitter he was able to stand there and declare to them that you meant it for evil but God meant it for good I'm telling you I could throw the mic all around the Bible I could give it to Paul who would tell you yeah he'll show up in trouble I was whipped, I was beaten, I was shipwrecked. But can I testify, Paul would tell you, and say, I was pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but I wasn't destroyed, because he's a present help in the time of trouble. Hear me today, trusting in God does not remove all your problems. That is the trap. But there is a promise that he'll be with you in the trouble. No wonder Satan stopped at Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. 
just like I did when I read it earlier because he wanted to take it out of context. He should have gone all the way down to the end of Psalm 91 and started reading verses 14, 15, and 16 where God declares he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him. Here it is in trouble in the trouble I will deliver him and honor him with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation he never promised he removed the trouble but we do have a promise that in the trouble he is with me I think God is calling us to have the type of faith like three Hebrew boys who refused to bow down and in the face of a fiery furnace made a declaration on speakerphone, my God can deliver me. My God will deliver me. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. And the flames were roaring, but yet in the midst of a fiery furnace, they found the shelter. They were in a fire, but they were still in a secret place. I want to encourage somebody today who's in the midst of the trouble, do not fall into the trap that just because your trust is in him, he'll remove all the problems. I wish I could tell you that today, but the reality is in the trouble, he is right there with you. He is with you in the midst of you losing your job. He's with you in the midst of a family member who died. He's with you in the midst of your pain. He's with you in the midst of your unanswered questions. He's with you in the midst of all of the confusion. There's already been a shelter in place. And I'm telling you, don't leave your shelter. Stay under the shadow. The only way you can handle and have peace in the shadow of death is to have a place under the shadow of the Almighty. That's when you declare things like Paul said in Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Come on, that's not a fake, faulty hope. This is, oh, there's just a silver lining in this cloud. No, this is horrible what is happening in the earth right now. And God did not send this virus. The only thing that God ever sent was his son. But how many of you know, in the midst of the trouble, there is a shelter. But you can only be under the shadow if you come close. Don't let the enemy make you believe that he's not with you. No wonder he threw Psalm 91 at Jesus. He was trying to stop him from going to the cross. And the only person that de can declare that God has forsaken me or ever forsook me is the one who hung on a cross. Jesus is the only person that God truly turned his back on. And it wasn't because of his sin. It was because of ours. He was the only one who the Father truly forsook and turned his face, not because of his sin, but because of our sin and because Jesus was forsaken on that cross. How many know we can boldly declare today that we are not forsaken in the midst of the pain? We are not forsaken in the midst of the trouble. We are not forsaken in the midst of the heartache and the anguish. He is with 
us. My shelter is in place. Your shelter is in place. I know it's the shadow of death, but God is calling the church and people today to come under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to ask my dear friend to come back and play softly on this piano. It's interesting what's happening around the world, and there are so many believers and especially preachers feel this pressure to proclaim what God is doing in this hour. This is what God is saying, and this is what the virus means, and this is what is happening. I found sometimes the greatest thing you can do as a believer is just go, I don't know, but my eyes are on him. But make no doubt, God is doing something in the earth right now. And I believe that he is calling us, hear me, to come close. Psalms 91 is a promise to declare, but it is a call to come close. The first verse of the psalm is he who dwells, not he who used to dwell, not he who dwells occasionally, he who dwells consistently every moment. I think that's what God is doing. He's calling us in this hour to come close, come close to him. It's interesting. If you study the Psalms, there's a word that you'll see all throughout the Psalms. It's this word, Selah. Selah. In fact, it's mentioned in the Psalms 71 times. 71 times you'll hear this word, Selah. There's much debate about what this word means. One of the definitions, one of the meanings of this word, Selah, hear me, means to pause means to stop. Stop. In fact, I know I told you to play, but would you just stop? Because that's what Selah means. It means everything stop. No words. Not another note played. It means stop. <gasps> Catch your breath and ponder what was just said. That's what Selah means. It's in the Bible 71 times. Stop. Catch your breath. Ponder what was said. When in the history of humanity have we ever seen a Selah over the earth? Everything has stopped. Basketball has stopped. Sports has stopped. There is a pause in the earth. There's images you can see. In fact, they're coming on the screen right now of Disneyland, of the Opera House in Sydney, of all these places all over the world where there used to be hundreds if not thousands of people gathered in these places and all of them have this eerie emptiness. The world has stopped. There's been a pause. 
So much so that seismologists, those who study earthquakes, have begun to understand that now because there's such a pause in the earth, they're able to hear things in the crust of the earth that they weren't able to hear before. They're able to hear the small earthquakes, the tiny tremors that they weren't able to hear before. But since buses and trains and traffic and the hustle and the bustle has all been silenced, they're getting information from the earth that they weren't able to get before. I declare Jesus did not send this virus. God did not start this virus, but he is speaking in what's going on. And perhaps he is calling us, hear me, to come close. That in the pause, in the sila, we need to come close and get information that we did not have before. And here's the power of a pause. That whenever there is a sila, whenever there is a pause to ponder what was said before, after the pause, then when you play after the pause, there comes the power. The power always comes after the pause and I'm telling you yes there is a pause in the earth but I believe there is a power there is a revival and a great awakening it's already started that is going to sweep across the earth but right now he's calling us to dwell under the shadow of the almighty